Matthew chapter 4 is where we'll begin in verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers, and he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Verse 22, And they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. And as I transition into my new role as the pastor of student ministries here at Fellowship Baptist Church, I began to observe and notice a couple things. One is I definitely still have a lot to learn. A lot to learn for sure. But I'm in a very unique situation. People who I like to learn from, I like to learn from people who have encountered what I'm going to encounter. People who have experienced what I'm going to experience. And it's neat because here as a youth pastor, there's four other men on staff, four other pastors who have been youth pastors before. Did you know that? All the other pastors have been youth pastors. Pastor Tony, of course, was a youth pastor here. Pastor Dave was a youth pastor in Tennessee. Pastor Chris in Colorado. And Pastor Tyler, of course, here. So I enjoy learning from them. I enjoy gleaning what they have to offer, experiences, lessons that they've learned in the past because they have experienced what I will experience Some of them have been youth pastors more recent than others, but they all have experienced what I will experience. It is very unique that there's four people I can learn from. But just like I'm sure you are, how many of you maybe received a new job, a promotion, a new role, transitioned into a new career? You want to learn from the best, right? You don't want to learn from the guy that's barely holding on to his job. You want to learn from the best. Am I right? Exactly. No different from me, so as I begin to meet these guys, I try to determine who's the best to learn from, and I stay away from Pastor Dave. Just, just stay away. Go to the other three guys, stay away from him. Obviously, I'm just kidding. Pastor Dave is an awesome guy. I look forward to getting to knowing him more, but he does like to make fun of me a lot, <laughs> a lot. But tonight, I want to learn from someone who has been through what we're going to go through. I want to learn from someone who experienced building relationships, Jesus Christ. I want to learn from him. Tonight, as we continue to tackle the idea of building relationships, I want to look to the master builder of relationships. Tonight, we'll examine the life of Jesus. We'll examine his relationships and the characteristics of his relationships. Do you want greater things in your relationships? Then let's learn from the greatest builder of relationships. Jesus Christ is the best example to follow. Number one, we'll notice the priority of building relationships. If you're taking notes, the priority of building relationships. Let's quickly remind ourselves of the context. Let's figure out where we're at in Scripture. If you remember, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Jesus Christ, at the age of 12, was in the temple. He was asking questions. He was learning And then for 18 years, we don't really hear anything about Jesus. There's nothing recorded in the scripture about Jesus Christ. Then at the age of 30, in Matthew chapter 3, the previous chapter, John the Baptist comes on the scene. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, and John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Chapter 4 comes along, 
beginning of chapter 4, Jesus says, I'm led of the Spirit to go into the wilderness and pray and fast. Jesus is in the wilderness. He prays. He fasts. Satan comes along. Satan tempts him. Jesus overcomes the temptation, avoids sin altogether. And now in verse 17, Jesus comes out of the wilderness. Verse 16 says of Matthew chapter 4, The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Now, verse 17, this is when Jesus' ministry begins. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' first act of ministry is that of preaching. He first preaches. Aren't you glad that we're part of a church that still lifts high the preaching of God's word? That doesn't water down the truth? That, that prioritizes preaching above all else when it comes to our service? I'm so thankful that we have a pastor who's passionate about preaching. Jesus Christ's first priority was preaching when he began his ministry. Now let's continue into verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishers. Verse 19, and he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We see Jesus calls out the disciples. Jesus' second act of ministry was that of building relationships. His first step, my ministry is beginning, I'm going to preach. And I'm going to preach strong. Repent. But my second act, I'm going to build relationships. Jesus placed a very high priority on building relationships. It wasn't something that could wait, something that he could postpone. But right away, he chose his disciples. Right away, he decided, I'm going to do my earthly ministry. I'm going to do life with these men. He decided to build relationships. What an example. We say, why do I need relationships in my life? Jesus Christ set the example. Jesus Christ, of course, could have fulfilled his goals without the disciples, right? Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is all-powerful. He could have done it without them. But he wanted individuals in his life who would support him. Individuals in his life who would help him. Individuals in his life who he could turn to in time of need. To bear burdens with, as we heard this morning. Jesus Christ had a priority to build relationships. Jesus not only dreamed or expected great things in his earthly ministry. But he knew great things would happen. But he decided to build relationships first. You see, Jesus lived the Greater Things Project. He really did. If we think about it, Jesus had a dream. He had a dream that he would be the Savior of all mankind. He took action by taking the form of man and coming to earth. He sacrificed as he gave his life for all men. But first, before he did that, he built relationships. Too often in our lives, people drop out of church because they feel disconnected and they haven't connected But the majority of the time, it's not because the church failed to connect. It's because the individual did not place a priority on connecting. A priority on building relationships. As we said, Jesus could have fulfilled his goals without the help of the disciples. But everything Jesus did was for a purpose. For an example to us as his followers. To follow his example. Jesus built relationships Because he wants us to build relationships. Here at Fellowship Baptist, there are so many ways that you can build relationships. You can go to a Sunday school class Sunday morning. You can go to a life group Sunday night. 
You can get involved in a ministry. You could simply sit by someone that you've never met before in the sanctuary. That's how you can build relationships. Jesus chose to build relationships, the priority. Secondly, we'll see the prerequisite for building relationships. What was the one requirement that Jesus had? What was the one condition in order for me to do life with these people, in order for me to grow with them, in order for me to build relationships with them? What criteria do they need to meet? Let's look at verse 19. Jesus speaking, and he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The one requirement, the one prerequisite is a follower of Christ. As we continue to pattern our life and our relationships after the master builder, we must understand the priority, but we must also practice his prerequisite. Peter, Andrew, James, and John could have a relationship with Jesus on one condition. One condition. They had to follow Christ. That is the condition. We have made the decision to build relationships. We've made that decision this morning. Now, where do we start? How do we begin to build? We start with individuals who are also followers of Christ. We don't turn to the world to build our strong relationships. But we do it with the individual sitting next to you in the pew. We do it with those in your life group, with those in the Sunday school class, with those that you minister with. That is who you should build relationships with. We have committed to the idea of growing our friends list. We are determined to be relational. Now we must begin with choosing our friends. As we begin to build our inner circle of people, as we surround ourselves with individuals that we will do life with, we must not lose sight of the prerequisite. Are they a follower of Jesus? Now this is not to say that we should ostracize ourselves from the world, that we should separate ourselves completely. Obviously we understand that if we're going to reach the world, we must love the world. But the individuals that we go to and bear our burdens with and the individuals that we really strive to grow close to should be fellow followers of Christ. That is the example that Jesus gave. We should follow him. In verse 19, Jesus uses the words, I will make you fishers of men. His expectation wasn't, I will build a relationship with you if you are a fisher of men. Of men. Rather, he said, I will make you. I love that Jesus wasn't looking for people that already arrived. Jesus wasn't looking for the perfect individual to build a relationship. Jesus was just looking for someone who would follow him. He said, I, I will make you a fisher of men, just follow me. We often have a long list of unreal expectations for people. And we miss out on building relationships because our expectations, they're just unreachable. Which makes our relationship goals unattainable and our lives unhappy. I hope you get that. I'm going to read it one more time. We often have a long list of unreal expectations. What we desire to see in someone before we build a relationship with them, it's unreal. Our expectations, they can't be met. And we miss out on building relationships because our expectations, they're unreachable. Which makes our relationship goals unattainable and our lives unhappy. Jesus' expectation was be a follower of Christ. 
our expectations to choosing who we'll build relationships with, our prerequisite should be, I will build with followers of Jesus. Jesus was and is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus was and is the Son of God. Jesus left a perfect heaven to come to a sinful world. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus grew up with an earthly father who was a carpenter. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now imagine if Jesus only wanted to build relationships with people who will experience what he experienced. Or with people who had the same goals and dreams as him. He wouldn't have found anyone. He's not going to find anyone who has a goal to die for the sins of all mankind. He'll find people that love, people that want to follow him, but you are sitting next to people that you may not have one thing in common other than your followers of Jesus. Build relationships with each other. Some of the closest friends I have are individuals that they don't like sports like I do. They, they don't like the same things that I like, but because we're followers of Jesus, we're going the same direction. Our relationship has grown. The prerequisite. Jesus had one requirement, One prerequisite for his inner circle. Be a follower of Christ. We should follow the best example we have. We should place a high priority on building relationships. And we should build relationships with other followers of Jesus. Thirdly, we'll see the practice behind building relationships. We've seen the priority. It's a high priority. The prerequisite, one requirement, follow Jesus. Now what's his practice? What did Jesus do to build these relationships? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll see our last point here. Just probably one page over for you. Jesus called out his disciples, and they followed him in Matthew chapter 4. And in verse 23 and 25, I'm going to go ahead and read this for you. We'll see where Jesus' ministry really began to take off. Verse 23 of Matthew chapter 4 reads, And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea And from beyond Jordan. So we see he chose his disciples. His ministry is now really taking off. He now begins healing. He's preaching. He's teaching. His fame is widespread. Multitudes are following Jesus. But then Jesus does something very unique in Matthew chapter 5. Let's read Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth And taught them saying. Jesus' fame begins to be widespread. Now everyone is realizing maybe that Jesus is the Messiah. That he will be the savior of the world. They haven't fully believed the multitudes. But they're curious. They want to see is he really healing people? Does he really speak with authority? Let's meet this Jesus. But then Jesus goes up into a mountain. The disciples follow. And Jesus spends time with them. Can someone help me out? What is this passage of scripture called when Jesus is on the mountain? Someone help me out. Beatitudes, okay. Also called the Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters long. Jesus is on the mountaintop. And Jesus is teaching and spending time with his disciples. This speaks of Jesus' 
investment. His investment. Jesus took the necessary time to work on his relationships. Jesus invested in his established relationships. Jesus just didn't surround himself with the right individuals, but he actually invested in them. Relationships always break when the work behind the relationship takes a break. Relationships will always break when the work behind the relationship takes a break. In order for relationships to work, you must work. You have to put in work. You have to invest. Many of you know I'm married. I have my gorgeous bride, Susan. She's going to hate me, but go ahead and stand up, Susan, for us. Go ahead. She hates me right now. That is my wife. Can we clap for her? Thank you. Thank you. I'll buy her a milkshake from Culver's after. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We met in college. We did. We both attended West Coast Baptist College. In 2008, we began our freshman year, and we had a spring banquet coming up, and I was a very (coughs) dorky guy back then. I'm still kind of a dorky guy, but I was definitely growing into my own at that point. I wasn't allowed facial hair at that school, so I looked like I was 12 years old all the time, even though I was a freshman in college. But one of my friends said, hey, why don't you ask Susan to the spring banquet? Um, At that point, I didn't really know who she was, but I asked her to the banquet, and we went, and it was love at first sight. I mean, no, it wasn't. (laughs) It it wasn't. We really worked on our relationship. We grew together as friends for a year. For a year, we were just friends. And then uh, I began to share with her that I was very interested in her. And she said, well, you got to keep working because I'm not there yet. (laughs) She really did. I had to invest in her. I had to show her that I care for her. I had to show her that I will sacrifice my time to be with her. I had to show her that I will sacrifice my desires to maybe give her her desires. I had to show her that I cared. So now we're at seven years of our relationship, marriage for almost four years. Now what if I were to quit investing? What if I were to stop working for our relationship? What would happen? It would die. It would fall apart. Our relationship would be broken. It would be past hurting. It would die. If I decided to not invest. Relationships, our day-to-day relationships are exactly the same. If you don't work, it won't work. If you take a break from working, your relationship will break. Jesus modeled this as he took the disciples into the mountain, shared the Sermon on the Mount. We must invest. We must show love. We must spend time. We must share life with each other. This is accomplished in multiple ways, growing together through a life group, serving together in a ministry, or just spending time together. Pastor Chris said it this morning, so often we come to church and we see each other here, and we don't, it's not that we put on a face, but we're just excited to be in God's house, and everything is just kind of happy, but we don't spend time with each other outside of the pews, and we don't really get to know each other and grow with each other. If we're going to have strong, lasting relationships We must invest time in each other. Jesus modeled it best. Jesus invested in his established relationships. Invest, invest, invest. But Jesus also showed interest in new relationships. He did. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. So the Sermon on the Mount continues. Matthew chapter 5. He's still giving the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 6. He's still going strong. 
Matthew chapter 7, he's still preaching and teaching the disciples. Let's look at the end of Matthew chapter 7 and let's see what happens. The end of Matthew chapter 7, verse 27. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. That is Jesus speaking. He's finishing his sermon on the mount. Now verse 28. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Chapter 8, verse 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Now remember, Jesus had handpicked his followers, his disciples. Who he wanted in his inner circle was part of his inner circle. He had his crew. But Jesus was still interested in new relationships. Jesus wasn't close to the idea of being around others and investing in them as well. What I'm saying is at the end of this chapter, it wasn't just the disciples that were with Jesus anymore. The multitude of people that he had left, the ones that were following him in chapter 4, had now found Jesus. And rather than Jesus being annoyed and saying, I just wanted my disciples up here. It's my investment in them. It's leadership training 101. What are you guys doing here? He allowed them to follow him. He allowed them to hear what he had to say. He was interested in new relationships. Many people are satisfied with their established relationships that they never search for new ones. We're so content with the relationships God has blessed us with, and we should be happy with that. Obviously, we should be. But are you searching for new opportunities to grow relationships? Even worse, people are so content with their established relationships that they are completely closed to new, re- to new relationships. Are you content with where you're at with your relationships? It's us four and no more? Or are you open to building relationships? Think about the opportunities you have here. There are so many ministries that you can get involved in if you're not already, where you can build relationships. There are so many avenues just in our church alone. And even thinking outside these four walls at your workplace, there may be relationships of other followers of Christ that you can meet them and you can build those relationships. Jesus was interested in new relationships. Think about this. Jesus is the son of God, right? Can we agree on that? Okay. He is God himself, right? Okay. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, right? Those are the attributes of God. Many more as well. Those are the attributes of Jesus. So we agree that Jesus is God and that he is all-knowing. So Jesus knew that the crowds who were following him, Jesus knew that the crowds that met him in the mountain was part of the same crowd that would one day yell, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus knew that those individuals that said they were followers but really just amounted to fans of Jesus would one day maybe be part of the crowd that pulled the beard from his face. Maybe part of the crowd that watched as he carried the cross up the hill to Golgotha and no one helped him. The same crowd that watched as Jesus died for the sins of us all. Yet Jesus was still interested in them. Too often we put walls up And we have these unreal expectations. And we have a certain criteria that has to be met. And we say, I I don't know if I trust that person. I don't know if I want them in my life. I've heard this about them. Think about Jesus. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that even Judas, one that would spend three years with him, would betray him. Jesus invested in Judas, didn't he? Jesus invested in Peter, who would deny him three times. 
Jesus invested in people. Jesus chose to build relationships. So you have decided to build relationships. Now it's time to take action. Follow the example that Jesus has set for us. Jesus was a master builder of relationships. Remember, he's placed a high priority on building relationships. He developed his inner circle and he maintained one prerequisite. They have to be a follower of Christ. You should have that same prerequisite in your life. And Jesus's practice always involved his investment in established relationships and his interest in new relationships. I hope that challenges you as you determine to build relationships.